Hi, this is Sarah Ann Macklin with the Live Well, Be Well podcast. And here's a bite-sized moment of our mini-series. Today we explore a really important bite-sized moment, dealing with IBS around our menstrual cycle, an issue so many women have to deal with on a monthly basis. This is a question I get asked a lot, actually. It's one that came up. So I did a, I did a few kind of question boxes on my Instagram and so many women wanted to know about female hormones and IBS. I think it's a really big thing. A lot of people seem to have flare-ups during their menstrual cycles. Why is it? Because generally women suffer with IBS more than men. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is, um, but I'm guessing there's a link there with female hormones and, and IBS. And why can it be worse around the menstrual cycle? Yeah, I mean, we're not sure why and what women do. There's obviously the hormone element because we have babies, we have periods, we have menopause. Like it's just ongoing, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's really not. Straw. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> fair sometimes. But there is also other stats out there to maybe explain this. So we know, for instance, men have a 32% less tendency um, to actually consult their doctor in general. So it may actually well be there's a lot of men out there with IBS and they just don't get diagnosed. So it could be that. But going back to particularly, you know, um, hormone cycles of women, when we look at the um, the different hormones, it's the luteal phase which is causing this. So this is the phase right before you would have your period. And this is where your hormones are at their lowest level and your gut becomes much more sensitive. So this actually happens in everybody. But if you've already got IBS, it's just like another whammy on top of this. So you may notice during this week that you have more pain around that area. Um, and, you know, this is this is a very is normal for some people, I would say. But as I said, in IBS, you've already got sensitivity, so it's just going to worsen it. And then actually during your period, um, a lot of people will um, say they have worsened symptoms. But typically what we start to see is actually the behavior changes. So we're not as active as what we were before. We're not sleeping as well. Our mood isn't as good. This kind of, we're eating potentially different foods. Um, for instance, we know that people eat more kind of carbohydrate meal uh, based meals, larger portions. So potentially more FODMAPs there. So I would say to anyone, you can't change your hormones, unfortunately, but what we can change is our behavior. So if you're someone that used to go to the gym during this time, that might not be on the cards, but you could potentially just get down on a yoga mat and do some stretches, you know, just mm-hmm. keeping active, that kind of thing. A hundred percent. I think that's a huge thing, actually. And I mean, being with myself, I can speak speak about it from a personal point of view but you do crave more sugar or I do before um yes. before the time of the month and obviously that can interact as quite a few triggers with with IBS as well you know how do you what advice do you give to to your patients um or anyone listening you know if they're like I'm just really craving it and I know it's and you know it's going to make you worse but you still do it <laughs> What would you say during that period, during that time to say that when you are having those strong cravings, if it is going to cause you a lot of discomfort, what would you, what advice would you give? What are the other go-tos people could reach for? Go-to. So I think, I mean, and this is probably not just during this time, you know, if you're doing a low FODMAP diet, Mm -hmm. then, or something, then that's four weeks is a long time. You know, there's going to be more cravings than just, you know, during your period. I would say have lots of easy go-to snacks that are in the cupboard. Um, and it really depends on what you're um, what you're into as such. So things like typically I'll go for the chocolate because that's I don't want to be stereotypical, but I know that's probably my go-to. It's mine so things too. like chocolate, 
You could do the dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate, which is low FODMAP and we know not going to cause issue. You could do things like um, some nuts, which are going to actually keep you fuller for longer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not going to have some sugary food, which is great initially. And then later on down the line, it's an issue. You could get in some wheat-free products. And again, I'm not going back on what I said before. It's not the actual gluten, but it's, it was, will contain less fructans, which are FODMAPs. And this could be a better issue, better, better sorry, solution. Um, and then I would probably look at your actual main meals as well and make sure you've got enough protein in them. Because if you don't have enough protein, then you can become really hungry between meals. And this is where you're not going to make the best choices. Nobody chooses things like salads and fruits when they're really hungry. No one goes, oh, I'm dying for a salad. That's what's normal. <laughs> Very true. Thank you for listening. For the full interview, follow the link in the show notes and be sure to subscribe, follow and share the Live Well, Be Well podcast with the season launch of Series 9 coming very soon. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.